It is the Brotherly Love Podcast, Anchor.fm, and all your podcast platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast, where occasionally I go on rants about Philadelphia sports teams. My name is Joe O'Donnell, in case you didn't know, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only John Francis Lawrence Mita. Johnny Mita, what's up? What up, JoJo? I'm excited, man. I mean, it's, you know, this is just the most strangest year ever, as far as sports goes, yeah. but... How do you not be jacked up? Because it looks like we are going to get some football. Football. So, I'm. Well, it leads nicely from the end of the uh, local team's hockey season, that being the Flyers, right into football season. But uh, I guess we'll touch on that at some point here. Kind of an emergency podcast uh, over the weekend as we were getting set for a game seven, the Flyers and the Islanders. So, this is our second podcast in a matter of days. So appreciate everybody uh, sticking with us and wanted to get a little football preview your way with the Eagles kicking off on Sunday against the Washington football team. No, that's not a a typo on your on your program or on your schedule. Um, I still, again, will have a weird time calling them anything other than the Redskins. I don't know when the hell they're going to announce a damn name. You would have thought they would like to do it before their first game. Maybe they will. Maybe they still have a few days to figure that out, but be that as it may, we do have NFL football kicking off uh, just a few hours from now, essentially, as far as uh, the start of the season and the Eagles and the uh, Washington football team on Sunday. But, John Mita, let's just go back and put a bow on the Flyers season real quick. Uh, they get smashed around a bit in Game 7. Once it became one nothing Islanders, there really just didn't seem to be a lot of pushback from the Flyers. I think the Isles smelled blood in the water. They kept their foot on the gas. Carter Hart wasn't perfect but nobody really brought their A game in game seven. Well, you got to give a little a little stick jab to Sean Couture for trying to play on a sprained MCL, but I don't know if that, and that yep. was the right move. I mean, you know, playing on a sprained MCL is like a pitcher playing with like a banged up forearm or like throwing, you know, throwing with a bad elbow. So, um, yeah, I just, honest to God, Joe, I really just think it just came down to they, they exerted so much effort and energy to tie the series at 3-3. And when you get to game seven, even though there was pressure on Islanders, you know, for them to, to put it away another time, I think they just ran out of gas, man. I mean, and and to only have, again, like, it was like the same old story. They only had like 10 shots on goal through a couple of periods. Like that's just not going to get it done. It's just that I think, I think there's a lot to be excited about with this team. Obviously, clearly we have the, the franchise goaltender. He's not going to go anywhere. The young defenseman got great, valuable experience just to be in this type of series, even though there were no fans there. Um, but I, I think you're also seeing a lack of, they're just lacking that one prime time player. I don't know how they go out and achieve or, or, or get that person, but they just needed another person to be able to score and, and, and get something done when they when they needed it. And I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. It was a valiant effort um, to me. I don't think the year was like a disappointment, considering everything how the year has transpired with the pandemic and everything else you had to be proud of the fact that they stole the number one seed and we're going into the playoffs pretty damn hot um but you know as much as it pains me to say it i just think the islanders were a better team right now 
you and I chatted after game five. You texted me and you were like, is that it? Because the Isles have taken a 3-1 series lead. And I told you, unfortunately, I thought so. You know, then they come back and they win a couple games and they force seven and maybe a little bit of false hope from the fan base because of that. But I put some things in my phone after game five. Um, and I'm going to rattle them off now, or at least some of them. And that one, the first thing I put was just that I was impressed by the Islanders' commitment and their confidence. That team doesn't change its game no matter scenario. It'll see how it, it'll be interesting to see how they fare against Tampa, especially after getting smacked around in game one last night, because I think that's a team with a lot of swagger. They play the right way and they got good depth. So I, I don't think that's going to be a short series with Tampa. Uh, and if it is, you know, there's one of two ways to look at it from the flyer standpoint, either. Whoa, the flyers got a long way to go. Cause if you get, you know, I don't want to say whooped by the Islanders, but you know, it did go seven games, so the Flyers had to go to overtime in all three of their wins. I mean, that series could have been over a lot quicker in New York's favor. Um, so if the Isles go in and get their doors blown off by Tampa, it means there's a big gap there between some of the top teams and then the Flyers, which I don't believe to be true. But the other thing is, you know, a lot of times you got to look at a matchup. Does a team just give you fits for a certain reason? And the reason I would put less stock in that is because the Flyers struggled at times against the Canadians too. And a lot of it has to do with, the pressure up ice. The Flyers didn't handle it well. They didn't execute well in the Canadian series or the Islanders series when they were pressured either while Philadelphia's on the power play or five on five. Um, a couple other things. The lack of power play tries in the series. I don't understand why the officials never called anything all series long. I give them credit for letting them play. And, and it's not like the Flyers power play was doing anything that would have given them momentum had they gotten more power plays. But to go a whole game without one, and I think one or two of the games, they had one, maybe two power play tries, maybe three at the most, what might have been their high mark in a seven-game series. That seems a little low to me. So either the Flyers weren't doing enough to, to uh, earn those opportunities or the officials were looking the other way for whatever reason. The lack of daysical shifts absolutely killed them. The lack of urgency in the defensive zone, the lack of urgency on the power play. You have to be ready to go when you're out there. you got to be moving. You got to get support pucks and execute. There just wasn't enough execution. And to me, not enough commitment of getting pucks from the point towards the front of the net. I understand it can be frustrating when a team is blocking as many shots as the Islanders are committed to doing, but why not just keep teeing them up? It's not like their block shots were leading the breakaways and two on ones the other way. If anything, you're in some ways wounding the opposition. How many shots off the knee or the shin pad are these guys going to get or take? before they want to start flamingoing, maybe getting out of the way. And about a third of the Flyers' goals in the series came off point shots, deflections, or what have you. So I would have fired more pucks at the net every chance they got. Anytime they turned away from a shot and looked for a pass in the series, I was scratching my head because you don't get many good looks against the Islanders. You don't get a lot of three-on-twos or two-on-ones. So you certainly got to execute when you do, and when you're not, you got to get pucks to the net. Um so, again, that lackadaisical approach, it just, it just boggled my mind. Puck watching in the D zone, you know, four guys fixated on Barzell and backdoor somebody's wide open. Those were the things that really killed the Flyers in the series. Uh, and they didn't appear to be the better conditioned team. Uh, and that was surprising for me. It looked like late in games. I mean, the Islanders, by the numbers, are a third-period team in the playoffs. It looked like late in games. And then you touched on in Game 7, there's just no jump, no energy, no legs. Uh, I don't know how that gets better other than skating the piss out of guys more often than maybe they did. Uh, but certainly the big players really never came to play for a lot of the series for the Flyers. And ultimately, 
it doomed them. Uh, I did note the Islanders had 26 giveaways in game six and seven against the Flyers. Okay. So two games, including one that went to double overtime, 26 total giveaways in those two games. The Islanders had 18 against Tampa Bay in game one alone. So again, the Flyers not pressuring the puck enough, not able to create that havoc, forcing the Islanders to give up the puck like New York did to Philadelphia so much in the series. I feel like that was a, you know, a big difference in the seven game series. Uh, Jefferson does not feel the same nah. way. Jefferson, what would you like? To nah, I, I think he's done. I think he just said, Joe, not really on his watch, but, uh, you know, maybe some other time. Little growl here and there to just let you know that he's also. He was just not happy about the Flyers' effort in well, Game 7? Well, he, he wasn't it? happy about that, and he was actually disgusted with their effort in Game 7. He just wanted to be heard because sometimes <laughs> he, feel like, he feels like that he doesn't have a voice on our podcast. I did. I did. I did like the other day when you texted me that he was our podcast mascot. Yeah. I will give him credit. Right. He's an outstanding mascot. I have a plan for the Flyers offseason. Again, a lot of it I put together when they got down that series because I was starting to write them off. Nice. We won't get to that now because oh. we don't have enough time. But a couple of things on there, John Meter, are going to blow your socks off. All right. I got some moves to be made. I've got a shocking move to be made. I big question give me, marks. Give me a teaser. Give me just, just one one move. Not the big biggest move, but give me a teaser. Not the biggest one? Well, I mean, I guess if you want to deliver that, but I would say just remember just remember this front office, who they're comfortable with, the players they know, and I would say that exploring a trade for a certain Minnesota wild soon to be free agent defenseman would be a move. I wouldn't put past Chuck Fletcher and company, a guy that I know personally, they value, they drafted. There are two defensemen from Minnesota that are coming up on free agency. You've got the expansion draft looming. Who is this guy? Shooter. Uh, We have Jonas Brodeen, who would be a left shot defenseman. Uh And high hockey IQ, not a big point guy, but will play 20-plus minutes a night in every situation. And uh, obviously Matt Dumba, who's a right shot. They can't keep them both. Minnesota and their new GM, Bill Guerin, they can't, uh, you know, they're both essentially do some money here at some point. The expansion draft is looming. One of them may get traded this offseason. And I wouldn't be surprised if Fletcher and company try and make a move for Jonas Brody. But again, we get into that. And then who who do we give uh, up? Sammy Morin or what? And if, uh, I, I, well, see, the thing is, with Brodeen's free agency pending yeah. uh, after next season, I don't know that you'll have to give up as much because you got to sign. Gotcha. Him. Okay. So huh? you know, answers. We'll see. But that's one I got for you. The other one, the big one, the big yeah. one. You're, you're, I don't think you're going to like it. I think I'll like it. Go ahead. But we'll get to it another time. We'll discuss uh, her off season in more, in more, uh, in more depth. Jefferson, right. let me we have it. We have a, <laughs> we have a fantasy football draft coming up oh, later. Yeah. You have the number four oh, pick. Yeah. I don't want any, I don't want any predictions. I don't want, but just, you better bring your A game for this fantasy football draft. All right. That's all I, I can, can tell you right now with my fourth pick, I'm going to piss off a certain person in our league and I can't wait to do it. We'll just leave it at I that. I love that. I love Here's that. Little teaser. Uh, Johnny Mita, I, this is the least excited I've ever been for a football season, I think, in my entire life, although you may be able to dig up uh, an Eagles team from, like, say, 
I don't know. Jeez, McNabb got there in 99. I don't This might be it until the last 20 years. I don't know when I've been less excited. And it's not so much about the product on the field. I just don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect. I don't know if it's the lack of OTAs. I don't know if it's the pandemic. I don't know if it's no preseason. I don't know. I don't know what to tell. I don't know if it's because I don't think they're going to finish the season. I just don't know what to expect from this Eagles team, good or bad. Are they seven and nine? Are they twelve and four? I don't know. So what do you, what do you say about the hype for this season? Are you ready to go for Eagles football, considering you can't go to the link? I'm looking at a thirteen and three season here, buddy. Come no. on, <laughs> absolutely. There's no way. Um, <laughs> no, there's. I mean. It's listen. There's no buzz. There's no juice. Usually, you get you, you know some practices, a training camp practice. There's a couple preseason games. There's none of that. We don't know who right. looks good. We, I right. mean, what we do know is some veterans have been let go. Um, we also do know from the conclusion of the people let go that, in my opinion, the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles draft class will go down as one of the worst in history right now. There's still two members left, Nate Gary and Derek Barnett. But, um, no, it's, it, it's going to be great. You know, and then the rookie, Rager. Is there, is there, buzz, on, is there buzz on 94 no. WIP no. or on the Fanatic? No. I mean, there's nothing. When, you're, when you're seeing there's your nothing. buddies occasionally. There is nothing, which is so crazy. Because this is such an Eagles town. I know – I mean, there were a lot of people who were extremely flyered up, but nobody knows what to make of it. Nobody thinks the season's going to finish, get started. I mean, and no, nobody has a damn clue about anything. That's the crazy thing. What we do know is all right. the injuries coming out. We do know that there is a voodoo, some type of a hex on this squad as far as when it comes to injuries. But we, we, we just can't beat the injury bug. No matter what time of year it is, it could be in training camp, it could be during the season, it could be towards the end of the season, going into the playoffs. I mean, this team gets hit with injuries like I've never even seen before. Um, the good thing is Carson is healthy and ready to go. That is the good thing. And um, how big of a year is this for Carson Wentz? Is this? I think it's the big. In some honest, ways, a career-defining yes, season. Yes, it is. Yes, it is because finally. They 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 put some more talent around him. I mean, and when I say talent is, they have wide receivers that are above average, unlike the the B squad that he remarkably took to the playoffs last year. And all these all right. these Carson haters, I don't really understand it. It's like man, the guy can't get any credit. Like the receivers that that guy was throwing to the Deontay Burnett's, the Robert Davises. You know, Greg Ward, I think Greg Ward's going to be a solid slot receiver. I think he's earned his way to a nice key role for this football team. See you later, Nelson Aguilar. Um, but I just – I think by drafting – all reports are that the, the kid from Boise State, John Hightower. That was interesting to the roster is that both Quez Watkins, John Hightower, and Jalen Rager all made the roster. Uh, the active roster, although then Quez Watkins got thrown on the IR from some for some non-specific injury. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what that is because, like, if John Hightower can be a very good and productive receiver in this league, and, and Jalen Rager can be that perennial first-round star that they think he could be, that that next Tyreek Hill type like type of receiver where you can just 
move him around in many different spots and all he does is make some plays, then we're, we're on our way. You also have to feel like it's interesting. You know, what's Deshaun Jackson going to do this year? He was in turmoil all offseason with some of the remarks that he made, some of his behavior. Is it a bounce back year for him? How many games does he play? Alshon Jeffrey. You know, there were rumors like the Eagles were actively trying to trade him. I mean, that's great and all, actively trying to trade him. But when you have an albatross, like a contract like that, there's just no way you'll be able to find a trade partner. Um, I am right. a little disappointed um, um, that 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 the Eagles didn't step out and try to make a, a trade for Yannick Ngakwe. He wanted to be a Philadelphia Eagle. It was all over Twitter. Everyone thought it was going to take first two, uh, you know, two first on draft picks, like how the Jaguars held the Rams over the Coles for the Jalen Ramsey trade. And it turns out they gave up a second and a fifth, which I would have done in a minute. And again, I know you're going to have to re-sign this guy, but he actually said he'll play under that contract for one more year. It sounded like he just wanted to get the hell out of Jacksonville. Can't blame. Super Bowl was a toilet there. And I was just, I was just <laughs> disappointed that they didn't make that move because I look at it this way. You got Derek Barnett, your draft pick. He's going to be doing another contract. The guy has proven diddly squat. If you compare the numbers of the two of them side by side, it's not even close who the better player is. And he just would have been another another explosive defensive line player, which I think could have helped the Eagles tremendously. Again, everyone's, you know, the Eagles are, you know, crapping out and how he's all like jammed up because with the uncertainty of next year, right? So because there's no fans in the stand. That means the profit and the revenue is going to go down. And in that case, that means one thing. The salary cap will go down. So there's a lot of things going on. I, I don't know. I could just ramble on. You had the injuries on the offensive line. Two of our starters out of five. Brandon Brooks goes down. Then Andre Dillard goes down with a torn pectoral muscle. He's done for the year. Then there was talk of Jason Peters. He, he didn't want to move to the left side unless they gave him some more money. Now, apparently, the bodyguard came into Doug's office this morning and said, I'm ready to go and play some left tackle. I don't know if three and a half million came in a brown paper bag and they left it in his Ford <laughs> and his Ford F-350 truck this morning. But, um, you know, there's a lot going on. But listen, at some bright spots, Corey Clement, he's coming back healthy. Boston Scott, we saw what he did. I like the running back group. Miles Sanders is going to be the, the, the lead guy. The tight ends are still very serviceable, um, but I'm really interested to see what these young wide receivers can do. And an update on Jalen Rieger. The Eagles are very hopeful that he could play in week two against the Rams at the link at home. So, you know, cross your fingers, but uh, that's kind of where we are. So it sounds like you think the wide receivers are way better. So then I'll pose this question to you. Is the offense better than the team that left the field in January assuming Wentz was in there the whole game against the Seahawks. I know that's a big assumption, but no Josh McCown. It's Carson Wentz and that group of players, you know, from first-year Ortega-Whiteside to Nelly, who's better, today's team or that team in January? Who, who's better? Say that one more time. From an, off- from an offensive standpoint, that, who's That better? team in January last year, there's this team? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. All right. 
You think the obviously oh. you think the receivers are oh, better. Yeah. Is the offense better right now? You got to yes. factor the line. Yes. yes. You got to factor the tight yes. ends. All yes. that stuff. I think it's better. I also think the running backs are better just because they have a year of experience. And you know, we all saw what a healthy Corey Clement can do when he's healthy. So, you know, we couldn't really count on Sproles last year, even though he's my guy. He was just banged up. So yes, I think this team is better. Yes, clearly. All right, well, the offensive line scares me a little bit. I would I say like... they're a little weaker there. But at, at, at every other spot, like skill positions-wise, we're definitely stronger, in my opinion. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're getting Deshaun back. Right. You know, Huge. Um, as opposed to, like, you name Burnett and Davis. And Greg Ward, I think, will be a more than serviceable, pl- serviceable, pl- serviceable player. Excuse me. Uh, you know, I think I'd take Greg Ward over Nelly. Right, and if you have Deshaun back now, you have some upside. But I'm looking at this depth chart today. If Rager's out, just say it's one week. You're looking at Sunday with Deshaun and Greg Ward, and those are your two outside guys. You know, you can throw in Hightower, you can throw in Ortega Whiteside, but the starters essentially, you know, with Alshon unavailable and Rager unavailable, you've got Deshaun and Ward. Those are two guys that are going to get the most looks. So. You know, how much better are they? I guess we'll, we'll, we'll find out on Sunday. Well, well, according to Howie Roseman, J.J. A.W. looks like the guy, oh, looks like the guy they drafted. How? Oh, cool. So who was the guy last year? He looked like uh, his brother? Well, I mean. Billy Arthega Whiteside? Like, what are we doing Well, here? it could have been Tyrone Biggums. It could have been. It should have been. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, notice how. When I went over the whole receiving core, I never mentioned the name J.J. Artifega yeah, Whiteside. Yeah. So, so I don't know what that tells you. But I, I'm excited. I think Johnny Hightower is going to get some snaps on the outside. And I think Greg Ward is going to be the slot guy. All right. I'll hold you to it. Defensively, obviously a lot of changes. The secondary looks way different, not only positionally with Mills moving to safety, but the – Departure of Malcolm Jenkins, you add Darius Slay, arguably their biggest acquisition in the offseason, and a potential number one lockdown corner. But the linebackers, my friend, your favorite position on the depth chart always yes. is linebacker. Yes. And it's a bunch of unproven athletic guys from everything I read. What do you say about the linebackers? Well, um, We'll see. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, just because I couldn't. I mean, well, listen. I kind of know. You kind of know what you're getting with Nate Gary. Um, be interesting to see Edwards play a little more this year. The kid out of I think he's from Wisconsin. Um, the guy that I'm kind of a little bit excited about, um, and he also made the roster is. Sean Bradley, not to be mistaken for the great white hype from BYU, but the linebacker out of Temple, because like I think he is, I think he can do it all. I think he is strong enough to support the run, and I think he's athletic enough to, to be to be good in space and be able to cover and move sideline to sideline. So, you know, Duke Riley, you know, keep in mind he was a kid that came out of LSU, so we'll see. But I, I mean, they're light. They're fast, they're athletic, but they're light. So they go up against a team with a big bruising offensive line and some hammers in the backfield, that could be trouble. But that's why we have so many millions of dollars invested in our front four so they can make the linebacker's jobs that much easier. 
And Nickel Roby Coleman, uh, a nice addition uh, as well for some depth in I, the in the backfield. Right. I think uh, right. I think he is a huge a huge upgrade because with him playing in the slot at that slot corner position, and then you have Darius big play slay, right there you have, I think, two two parts out of you know your coverage that you can really count on. You can really rely on them to give you big plays and, and, and consistent play. Now, the other cornerback slot, that that's a huge question mark. You have Avante Maddox. He is the other lead dog out there on the outside. And then with backups, you know, who your backups are going to be. It'll be interesting. Well, they got Cravon LeBlanc listed. They have Roby Coleman right. listed on the official right. depth chart. Craig James listed. But we should note, that uh, Rasul Make It Rain Douglas Ooh. got cut, and your boy Sydney Sydney Jones never live up to the hype or well, stay right, healthy all Jones right, all right, again. So time to eat some crow uh, on the oh, Sydney come Jones. Come on now, come on now. Now listen, now listen. I was hoping Sydney would make an impact, and I was again, I was cheering for him, room for him, kind of like Marco Fultz cheering for him, room for him, but. Let's not get it twisted. When it came down to that draft, I wanted the other cornerback from Washington, Kevin King, that plays for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know how many times I said it. I, mm-hmm. I would have drafted him higher over Sidney Jones. I wanted the Eagles to move up in the first round because I was shocked that he wasn't a first-round pick, and I would have taken him number 14 over Derek Barnett for sure. So let's clear the air there. Wow. All right, you made your points. One thing I do want to note is that, uh, you know, you talked about the draft picks. You have Sean Bradley, you have Davion Taylor. They make the team. Yeah, I mean, and then I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a a couple of minutes on Kayvon Wallace. The floor is yours, your guy. My guy. Tell tell brotherly love podcast fans about Kayvon Wallace and why he is the next. coming a b-dog okay well i don't think it's fair to call him the next coming big dog b-dog because those are just monumental yeah yeah i'm huge filled a huge shoes to fulfill but i was super excited i thought it was the best draft pick by the team in last year's draft there's no question about it Kayvon wiles if those who don't know it was like pretty much like a start at clemson his entire career so he's well seasoned and he's played pretty much every position on defense. He plays linebacker. He he can do it all. He can play linebacker. He can play safety. He can play corner. He is, you know, the prototypical, the cliche Swiss Army knife. He can do everything. And I'm super excited. I'm super jacked up. I think Philadelphia is going to fall in love with this guy. Because, number one, he gets it. I think he's already gotten the city just from, you know, following him on Twitter and everything going on. I love the number he chose. He chose the number 42. There's some great safeties that have worn that number, but most specifically the great Ronnie Lott. Yes, was that my suggestion for his number on Twitter? It sure was, and he picked it. Damn right it Damn was. Damn right it was, and he picked it. But I, I really think it'll be interesting. If, if Avante – here's my prediction, a little bold prediction action. If Avante Maddox struggles at the outside corner position, do not be surprised if Jim Schwartz moves Jalen Mills back to that corner spot and then Kayvon Wallace becomes a starting safety next to Rodney McLeod. I know they've been prepping Jalen Mills for years, but 
This kid is super talented. And another reason why you're going to be able to see this kid a lot, keep your eye out for Kayvon Wallace on special teams. He played special teams in his entire college career. He loves doing it, loves it. He's blocked punts. The man does it all. I can't wait. I can't wait till they offer his jersey on the Eagles website. Get your crap together because somebody wants to buy one. Okay. It's going to be a new size for me, obviously. That a than, guy. My, than my regular size from back in the day. But I'm super excited. I think all Eagles fans are going to fall in love with Kayvon Wallace, number 42. Get your popcorn ready. He's going to be smashing people. He's going to be making big plays. And it's um, and I really do think he will surplant some. He will be a future. If they don't re-sign McLeod, which, you know, he's a little longer in the tooth, I think he starts definitely next year. But I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way to crack himself in the lineup in some way, right. shape, or form. I like it. Uh, lack of OTAs, new offensive coaches. I'm hearing a lot of talk that teams with returning quarterback and head coach, et cetera, have an advantage. Do you expect sloppy football across the NFL first couple of weeks, John Mita, and any concern at all that the Eagles do have a couple of new offensive coaches, even though Poopy Peterson remains at the helm? Yeah. Um, sloppy football? Absolutely. Um, Penalty city? You're going to see penalties. Um, I think the offense, I think the defense, um, the defense is going to be a little, in these first four weeks of the NFL season, I think the defense is, I think the scoring might be a little lower just because it kind of takes a little bit to get into rhythm, to get the timing down. So, um, but I I expect after a couple weeks of play, I think things will iron itself out. But, I mean, at least at the preseason games, and if anybody watches Hard Knocks, and I'm a huge fan of Hard Knocks, there's probably the final episode either tonight. Yeah, I would imagine it's tonight. Um, but they even even the quarterback, Jared Goff from the Rams, said that he was just missing playing in the preseason because just to get the reps down, some timing, and, and real-life game action. And you feel bad. Listen, you feel bad for all the rookies and all the guys that are trying to find a job yeah. in the NFL. And, yeah, they have in-game scrimmages, but – Sometimes those guys that show up, like I'll never forget, like a, a kid like the 49ers running back, who I loved in the preseason. The Eagles had him. He was an unrestricted free agent. Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert. I mean, he tore up the damn preseason. And, like, he didn't even make our practice squad. And now, you know, he's a starting running back for the 49ers. So, um, you feel bad for those guys. But it's going to be interesting to see. So, but. A lot of their draft picks made the football team. We've seen that in years past, but, you know, hopefully they, they found some gems because um, we, we could really use a good draft. Really, yes. because like Howie was lamenting the other day that he, he's thought they've done a fine job in recent years, which. Of course. What's he going to do? Say a stunk? It's his one job other than well, managing the cap. It's just that when, when you don't hit on players in your first three rounds and they're no longer on your football team, I mean, think about this. You know, from your 2017 class, that's only three years ago. Three years ago. And there's only two out of seven draft picks left on the team. That is not a good sign. All right, Johnny Mita. I think it's time for predictions. All right. Season uh, predictions. Season predictions. Yeah, I was looking at the schedule. All right. Uh, you know, I don't know what to make of week one again. I think I'm just a little like, eh, about the whole thing. Right. So maybe I'm not geeked up like, oh, they're going to pound the yeah. the Washington football team, whatever right. the hell you want to call them. I, I just, 
Okay, well, that's good. That makes me feel better because I'm a little worried looking at the first six games. I think three and three is I'll, I'll take three and three. And this team has started slow the last couple of years. I'm tired of the five and sevens and then having the rally. And it just makes for it just makes for indigestion. I'm not down with it. But you have the you sit, all right. Say they beat the Redskins or the, you know, the team from Washington this weekend. Mm-hmm. You have the Rams coming in yep. after that. That's a tough game. Maybe you can beat the Bengals then because they have a rookie quarterback. So you should be two and one, right? Let's just say the birds are two and one. Then you got the 49ers, the Steelers, the Ravens. Yeah. I think that is. That's a tough, that's a tough stretch. Home road, China. It doesn't matter. Saying those three games right in a row is the toughest three game stretch that I think any NFL team will have to play. So you're right. So they got to get out the gate hot. You know, hoping that they're three and zero out the gate, two and one, and then you you try to split a couple. You know, right? Then you got a stretch of division games: Giants, Cowboys, Giants. Then the Browns, who who knows by that point they could be a grease fire. Then you got Seattle and Green Bay, and the Saints. That's a tough three week stretch. Yeah, you're playing a Cardinals team that could be on the rise. Then you got the Cowboys one more time. And then one more with the Washington football squad. So, I don't know, John Mita. You never know. You know, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is uh, in a body bag by December 6th, maybe it's a walk in the park. If Carson Wentz is injured in week one and Nate Sudfeld's in, like, you throw the whole season out. So, it's hard to say. And, again, without having much hype, I don't even know if I feel comfortable making a prediction with this football team. I'm just hoping for a 3-3 and start and we'll reassess from there. But if you'd like to make a prediction, if you're more prepared than I am and more confident than I am, have at it, brother. Well, I mean, this is, in my opinion, one of the toughest schedules in the entire league that anyone will have to face. Um, I I think this is Carson's defining year. I I think this is it. I think this is the year that he gets back to MVP caliber. And what I'm thinking is, because the schedule's so difficult, I'm going to say 11 and five, but I could totally yep. see a 10 and six. But okay. I, I don't think. Listen, that. if he's in the MVP conversation, it's because they're an 11 and five team, right? Because if you're 10 and six, right. and barely winning an average division, right. you're not getting much MVP. Right. Yeah. Off, especially when there's Mahomes yeah. and Jackson. And no, seven. you're right. You're right. You're right. So if he's going to carry this team, if the offense is going to be reliable, the defense is improved. They should win 11 games, no matter how tough the schedule is. I mean, they won nine last year with a terrible offense, by all accounts, a ton of injuries, um, you know, and a couple of difficult games. So, uh, I, I feel you. I, I will I will buy your 11-5 and five assessment of this team, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, 100%. There is no doubt about it. I, I... My last thing for you, John Mita. Yeah. Do you have any expectations for Jalen Hurts? Um, well, the question is, is he going to dress on game day? This is what I would say. I'd like to see him, you know, come in and, and some spot duty. You look at what the Saints do with a guy like Taysom Hill. Um, but listen, we don't want Carson sneaking on the fourth and ones, whatever, if they want to do a goal line sneak. So maybe you bring Jalen Hurts for those. I mean, the kid's got legs like tree trunks. He squats like 600 pounds. So. Maybe those are some spots that I'd like to see Jalen Hurts in. Um, I know the kid's working his tail off. He's a hard worker, but I, I could see him sprinkling some 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 little gadget plays. But 
if it's short yardage and they want to do a QB keeper, why not give him the call to do it? All right. I like it. We'll see if he dresses in week one, if he's on the active list, and uh, if he gets a touch or two in some razzle-dazzle maybe. Um, all right, so 56-3, to three, Eagles take care of the Washington football team on Sunday. Sounds we'll about right. There. Hey, sounds about right. That's how <laughs> Navy got skunk last night, 55-3, to three, so. Well, enjoy the trip down to FedEx Field where you can, uh, I don't know, maybe sit outside the stadium and cheer or something. Yeah, get the bullhorns and ladders going. Yeah. Um, all right, brother. Always uh, appreciate your insight. Thanks for uh, jumping on kind of on short order here so we can bang this thing out and give the people what they want. You got it. Let me give a quick little spread the love. I want to give a little spread the love real quick to a Buffalo Bills player, Tredavious White. He just signed a new $70 million contract. And basically just came out, let his heart, put his heart out on his sleeve and just said that this has given him the ability so that he can retire both of his parents and help his future family members and make them set for life. So all that hard work, all the sacrifice that probably his parents made to, you know, bring him up and make sure that he get got to the next level. It's uh, pretty cool to see when able to um, reward his family for everything that they've done for him, because I know. If I was in that position, that would be the first thing that I would like to do. So, big, big props. Spread the love to Tredavious White. That a guy well said, brother. Appreciate the time. Always nice catching up with you, my man. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Birds! Sounds crazy to be saying go Birds. It feels crazy, but here we are. And there's Jefferson. Out of, out of kid, Jefferson. You know, Jeff John's right Jeff. in, you know. He for was right John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell. Like he said, go birds, fly, eagles, fly. This has been the Brotherly Love Podcast. Till next time, we'll see.